This is Kevin Pro with Rising Tide Startups. We've got another exciting episode today, and my special guest today is Ian Anderson Gray. Ian, thanks for joining us today. Well, thanks so much for having me on, Kevin. I appreciate it. I uh, I stalked Ian on social media after I saw him on a on another podcast with uh, Joy Vital in Indie Law. And do you remember that that podcast? You it's probably been what three months ago. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. That was that was fun. It was a, it was a that was a great interview, and and I encourage people to Google. Um, Indie Law, I-N-D-I-E Law, and, and watch that episode. But Ian, you're on our show today, so give us a little short bio and tell us who Ian Anderson Gray is. I ask myself that question all the time. So <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I'm based in Manchester in the UK, which you might be able to tell by my accent. And I, I, I've always been interested in technology, but also been passionate about music. So I actually trained as a professional singer back in the day. But these days, as well as doing, still doing a bit of singing and teaching, I, I help people with live video and with social media. I speak around the world at conferences about social media and particularly with live video, helping them build their confidence in front of the camera with the technology and also the content. Okay. So I've got to ask you, since you said you're from Manchester, are you, are you red or blue? <laughs> people always ask me this. And I... And, <laughs> The problem is I'm not really into into soccer, into football. So I, I don't really have an answer to that. <laughs> you know, that may be the safest answer in Manchester. So <laughs> it, probably, it probably is. <laughs> it just just for those that might not understand what the, the question I just asked you, Manchester, the United Kingdom has two major professional football clubs, Manchester United, Manchester City. Manchester City is blue. Manchester United is red. Manchester United has been good for a very long time. Manchester City has just been good since there was a large infusion of golf money. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it seems yep. to be divided like a civil war right down the city. So, it is. It is particularly if there's a, a derby and they're, they're both playing each other. Exactly. And, uh, you just don't really want to go out in Manchester when that happens. <laughs> Well, tell us a little bit about uh, Seriously Social and, and how you started that. So like many businesses, it was a bit of a mistake. I mean, I when I left when I left music college, I started building websites for my musician friends uh, and then realized very early on that musicians don't really have very much money or most of the <laughs> ones I knew. So I need to diversify. So I, I set up a web agency with my dad called Select Performers. We started with musicians, broadened out to, to businesses. Fast forward quite a few more years, I always wanted a blog and I was procrastinating for, for ages and I just started blogging and it was about what I was interested in at the time, which was social media and the tech side of social media right. and social media tools. And it was an article I wrote called Seven Reasons Not to Use Hootsuite that changed it all really for me. And it's quite a, sounds quite a controversial title of a, of a blog. Uh, but it was basically my experience with Hootsuite. I, I really liked the tool, but there was a lot of things that I was frustrated about. Mm -hmm. I wrote and I wrote all about that, uh, my, my the things that I think Hootsuite could do better in that article. And it went completely mad. And uh, I got a load of readers through that. I ended up speaking at uh, conferences through my, my blog posts on, on social media tools. Wow. And then about three years ago, uh, live video came about and I wrote another article on uh, Facebook Live and how to broadcast from your computer. And since that article three years ago, it's had about 4 million page views. It broke my website and also changed my business. So I, I suppose you could say I've pivoted now. I'm now a live, so live video 
the live video part on social media and helping people in front of the camera. And it's that's excites me because all that background uh, of me as a, as a professional singer and as a performer, I always wondered how can I bring that into what I do today? And it seems a really perfect fit because I've got the technology of, of, of live video and the confidence in front of the camera live video uh, merging together. So that's what I did. That's how it all came about. So this this blog article that you wrote, approximately when was that? What year was that? So we talking about the, the live video. The Hoots, no, I'm sorry, the Hootsuite, oh, the, Hootsuite. the original, oh, yeah. Oh, goodness. Oh, that's a good question. It's it's a, it's a, probably five years ago. Let's say five okay. years ago. All right, so probably 2013, 14, somewhere in that, in that range. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you also, I mean, I was reading this morning, you also wrote a follow-up that said seven reasons you do like Hootsuite, correct? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, yeah, because... Um, I, I, I suffer with this this uh, disease called empathy, <laughs> and I kind of you like, felt sorry I, for Hootsuite. <laughs> I, felt, I, I did. I felt, and but but not only that. I I I pride myself really in writing uh, the pros and cons of all article, of all tools. I want to give the the good side, the pros and the cons. And right. although that article was fairly balanced, it was looking mainly at the the cons. And so I wanted to talk about the good side of of Hootsuite. So. I've kind of, in some quarters, been known as the the the, the reasons not kind of guy, and because I've written articles on Sprout Social, why seven reasons why you should not use Sprout Social, and I'm working on an article at the moment, seven reasons why you should not use Agora Pulse, which is another social media tool. Interestingly, it's my favorite tool, but I'm going to be writing my first article about the tool, about the negative side first. I don't remember, I don't recall seeing a seven reasons you should use Sprout Social. That's a very good point because that's again that's in the that's in the uh, in the pipeline as well. Okay, I, yeah, I was just looking at so, this. So, you know, so for equitable it's, balance here. You know, it's it's it is coming. I've I've delayed on that one for some reason. I've just been so busy, but it's uh, I would do want to be balanced because Sprout Social is again it's one of my favorite tools. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I've only really looked at the negative side, but there's a lot of positives. You know, one of these days you're going to write seven more reasons not to use <laughs> a certain tool. If it really goes all, as you would say, all pear-shaped. Well, probably. Well, we'll <laughs> see. It's interesting. I, I came across some people who worked, who used to work at Hootsuite. They actually set up their own uh, their startup and they left Hootsuite. And I said, oh, yeah, I, um, I was talking with them and said, oh, yeah, I wrote this article called Seven Reasons Not to to use Hootsuite and said, oh, it's you. <laughs> oh, it's you. <laughs> oh, yes, you're known within Hootsuite. <laughs> we have your picture on the wall in, in Hootsuite headquarters. Apparently, they don't hate me. Okay. Uh, that's what they said to me, but maybe they're trying to be nice to me. <laughs> you know, I mean, companies love feedback like that because it does identify some some issues that they may be blind to. Yeah. So, I mean, well, they don't like the, the negative press, but they would they love people caring enough about to, to point out those those issues yeah. so I, I, and interestingly i mean this is uh, i i actually like it when a tool company is doesn't brace the the things that they can improve and agora pulse is, is very much like that i love agora pulse which is a is a social media management tool because they are all up for me writing this article on on the negative side because they see that if people read the article and they see the negative points mm -hmm. and they look at them and think oh is that it then they're more likely to sign up. I actually found on Hootsuite, uh, they don't have an affiliate program anymore, but I did switch on the affiliate uh, links on that article. And I got loads of loads of uh, signups. I mean, they didn't pay out very much money, so right. I'm not rich <laughs> yeah. as a result of it. But uh, there were loads of people that re read that article thinking, oh, okay, if that's the worst 
those are the worst points about Hootsuite, then yeah, it sounds like the, the best tool for me. And I, and I, I think Hootsuite is the, the, the best tool for some people. Mm-hmm. It's just I want to give people uh, all the all the pros and the cons so they can make up their own decision. Right. Is that, I mean, you're, are you kind of juxtaposing that against Buffer primarily? Or, I mean, when you say yeah, Hootsuite, so, so the, they're kind of the two major players. Are they? Is that true? Yeah, well, I, I also suffer from being a, uh, quite pedantic. And so when it comes to social media management tools, I don't actually class Buffer as a social media management mm. tool at the moment because it's technically, it's ju- it just publishes. It just schedules content. Right. So if you... You can't really compare Buffer with Hootsuite because Buffer just does that. It has basic analytics, mm-hmm. whereas Hootsuite, it allows you to engage. It allows you to see a st- the stream mm-hmm. of content across all your channels. And the same way Sprite Social does right, that and, right. and all the other ones. So I wrote another article, uh, a few articles called the Top 5 Social Media Management Tools and also the Hidden Prices of Social Media Management Tools. And I compared the top ones. Actually, after a little bit of feedback, uh, I did include Buffer in one of those, uh, even though technically it isn't. But it's just mm-hmm. because everyone, you, everyone's heard of Buffer. Right. And I, I hear the word on the street is that they will be uh, making themselves more into social media management tool mm-hmm. and adding in some more uh, facilities such as being able to engage with people. Right. So we'll have to see what happens. Kind of more of a full suite complement of, of tools. That are, because it's, I mean, when you... When you see articles, and I don't want to chase this too far. When you see articles, I mean, a lot of times it is Hootsuite versus Buffer, you know, that people are making that comparison. But, but uh, yeah, I mean, your point's well taken. That that those really, it's almost like apples and Volkswagens, you know. And, sometimes and you, I, I, I'm a big Buffer fan. I love what it does. It does what it does is it's very, it's very simple, but it's very powerful. But mm-hmm. uh, you need to use, but you you can't just use Buffer because otherwise you you end up being a one way communication machine. Right. You're always pumping content out. So. That's why I, I supplement Buffer. I used to supplement Buffer with other tools. Now I use Agora Pulse, which it does everything that I need it to do under one roof, mm-hmm. which is really good. Hmm. Well, let me uh, let me circle back a little bit um, just just to take a little segue here. The all the things that Ian has mentioned are are listed on his website. And it's a very easy website to remember. It's iag.me. I want you to I encourage our listeners to make sure you get to that website. Check out his blog. There's some live video on there as well. And, and I want to segue to Facebook live video. So you mentioned a, a couple of years ago, you, you kind of made the shift to, you know, from just blogging about social to, to really talking about live video and how people present themselves on live video. When Facebook live came out, was it not just primarily for a few users when it first came out as Facebook live and, and just, and went public what in the last 18 months or 24 months maybe so it has been it has been around for at least two and a bit years mm-hmm. uh, but i mean one of the reasons why i wrote the article is that i it seemed that all my marketing friends had access to uh facebook live but i didn't i think part of that was because facebook uh, tends to with new uh, features they roll it out slowly to different mm. users and perhaps because i was based in the uk uh, that was one issue but also at the time i was an android user and so it hadn't rolled out. So I was looking for another way to broadcast to Facebook Live. And I discovered that you could do it via your desktop. And that's how I hmm. discovered a tool called OBS Studio. And I found it really quite complicated to use. And that, that's one thing that really frustrates me. If, if like a company uh, or developer launches a tool that is overly complicated to use and they don't, they don't do a very good job of explaining it, 
I, again, that the empathy kicks in. I see all these people that want to use it, but they're struggling. Right. So I go out, go, go to great lengths in simplifying it and trying to make people, make it easy for people to mm -hmm. understand. So that's what that article was, was all about. How to broadcast from your computer using, uh, to Facebook Live. And I went through absolutely everything that you need to, to know. I went into ridiculous detail. And yeah, that, I mean, it, that went completely mad. As I say, it's had over 4 million page views and, uh, partly down to some influencers out there, such as Mary Smith and Guy mm -hmm. Kawasaki, sharing that out. So thanks to them, yeah. I, I, my website broke. <laughs> well, even even in your original blog article, I mean, there had to be some catalyst that that caused it to go from your personal blog to, you know, being viral. So what would what happened that caused that? Was it, yeah. was it keywords? Were you tag yeah. certain words to it? I mean, how did that happen? Yeah, so really, I've, I've thought about this a lot because it's happened a few times. And I'm going to say something quite controversial. I, although I know a lot about SEO, mm -hmm. I don't actually think too hard about SEO. And I basically, to simplify what I do, is I write really quality, in-depth articles. I'm a, I'm a slow blogger. I don't blog every, every week. I blog, if you're lucky, once a month. Mm -hmm. I, I spend a huge amount of time... Uh, researching my articles and writing articles that people won't see elsewhere and so that's that's the main thing the second thing though is that i don't just spend my time in my office in front of my computer i've been to conferences so the this was about four or five years ago i i after a lot of uh internal struggles i decided to take the plunge and go to social media marketing world in mm -hmm. San Diego, which is one of the biggest right. conferences out there. And is that Michael Stelzner, or? yeah, this yeah. is Michael Stelzner's. And it was a it was a, a time when you know my business was still young. I didn't have you know that much money coming through, and it's a lot of money to to fly all the way from Manchester to San Diego. Mm -hmm. But I went, and the same year I also spoke at my first conference here in Manchester. I got to meet Mary Smith and Melanie Didot and other big names in the social media space. And through both of those, I built up so many amazing relationships, but built so many good friends. And through that, really, through those conversations, they heard about me and my content and they uh, helped spread the word. So I think really for, those are my two bits of, of, of advice and encouragement really is to don't just go for quantity, opt for quality, put your personality right. through, help people, but don't just rely on that. Also rely on relationships with other people out there who can help you get to where you want to go. That is, that is such great advice. And I'm, I'm, I really want our listeners to, to really kind of zone in on that and, and listen, hit rewind, listen to that again. But let me, let me drill down one more level. So specifically on that blog, that original blog article, the seven reasons that you don't like Hootsuite, what, what specifically do you think happened to cause that to, to blow up? Was it the keyword Hootsuite that people were just searching for Hootsuite and found it or? So a few, a few things. So it didn't happen overnight. That's the first thing. Okay. I mean, if you look at, if you look at my Google analytics, I think the first two or three months, yeah, there were people looking at it, but it wasn't that, that much. Mm -hmm. And so I was, I was sharing on social media, but then, uh, through Hootsuite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> probably, probably, do you know, I actually must look and find out what I was using at that time. Uh, but yeah, so so it was that that helped, but I think but certainly the title 
uh, the fact that it was controversial. But right. There's so many articles still today. There is why you should use Hootsuite. You know the top, and and they just go into the very superficial points. Mm-hmm. So I think what it was was the fact that I was I was actually going into a huge amount of detail. People saw that, and then they then linked wrote an article and linked to that. And if you look at the number of links to that article, it really started to build up in that first year. So that so people saw that as a resource, linked to it. So that's where the SEO thing comes in. Although I didn't spend a huge amount of time on the keywords, uh-huh. I spent a lot of time on the quality. And of course, as we as many of us know, Google uh, and other search engines, they put a lot of weight on the links to right. articles. Right. And so that was one thing. Also, at the time, this was maybe about a year later, this is when Google Plus became a big thing. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if you ever use Google Plus, but at the time, that was an amazing platform of really passionate and a really tight-knit community in the the marketing space. And so I had a lot of of links through that, a lot of conversations through that platform, and that really, really helped. Okay. Uh, Yeah. That that is, uh, I mean, this is this is all great information, and and I appreciate you really taking the time to to kind of get very granular. Um, and I, I'm not trying to chase this to to its death, but this is this is so important for our listenership. And so so you've really kind of pivoted. Pri- I mean, your business is, is has pivoted primarily toward live video at this stage, or I mean, give me a percentage of how much time in your yeah. business you spend on video versus social. Versus- yeah. So, well, I've, effectively these days, I've got two businesses. So I still run Select Performers, my mm-hmm. web agency with my dad. Right. Uh, but the, so the other business, uh, which is, you know, my main focus uh, at the moment is Seriously Social. I still do. I do consultancy. I work with businesses to tr- uh, to help with social media tools that that works. I, I, I do get a, a good percentage uh, of revenue from affiliate income. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not something I can retire upon, but right. because I do have quite a lot of uh quite a lot of readers to my, my blog and a lot of people looking for resources. I, I'm always very clear with the tools that I recommend that I will only ever recommend tools that I think are good, whether mm-hmm. they have an affiliate link or not. So I think people have got, uh, grown to trust me, mm-hmm. uh, in my opinion. So that's that still, that still goes on and I will continue to do that. But So that's probably about a third of my focus these days. Uh, the, the, the rest of the, the business this because this is a still a fairly new part of my business. Mm-hmm. It just takes. It's almost like it is like a startup. Right. It's exactly. A start a startup within a startup. Right. And uh, it's taking a huge amount of effort. It's and it's hard work because I've built up a I built up a a big audience, but they're not necessarily the audience. So that part of my list and my viewers is starting to grow, but I'm having to work quite hard at, at uh, trying to kind of say, well, this is the new thing I'm focusing on. So I've got loads of ideas, things that I want to be doing. I, I want to launch a podcast fairly soon. I'm going to be doing, I already have a live video show, but I'm going to be doing my own solo show as well, mm-hmm. just on the brand Confident Live Marketing. So I've got this new brand called Confident Live Marketing and the Confident Live Marketing Academy, which is all about helping people with the confidence of three things, which is the three main barriers I think people give for not doing live video. And that is the fear of the camera, so right. it's confidence in front of the camera, confidence with the tech or i call it the fear of the gear and then finally confidence with the content and knowing what to say Mm. uh, to your audience in order to ultimately what's the whole point of this well it's to grow your business gain authority and impact with your audience to grow your profits and grow your business right 
Right. So I mean, that, that's interesting. That's another nice segue. You've you've just kind of teed it up for me there. So I'm taking the, my driver out of the bag. And <laughs> so since you've started the kind of this entrepreneurial, you know, startup versus entrepreneurial, I mean, you said a startup within a startup. So what have been maybe say one or two pain points that you've experienced trying to launch this this new endeavor within you know, kind of a broader umbrella of, of your services and offerings. So specifically with the, with the video offering, what, what are one or two pain points you've experienced? Maybe our listeners can well, speak want, into. Yeah, well, I want to kind of just rewind back two years uh, because that kind of puts things into perspective. Uh-huh. So one, so that I wrote this article on live video and that exploded and started to, it was a really slow process for me. I mean, to everyone else, it seemed obvious what I should be doing. But to me, it wasn't. <laughs> I was still doing what I was doing before. And so people were looking to me for advice. And I ended up producing a course. It was my first ever experience launching a course. So this was a course on how to use OBS Studio. And I just launched it while moving house. It was a very simple course. It wasn't particularly expensive. It started around $30. It ended up, I added to it and it ended up being $97. Mm-hmm. And it just sold like hotcakes and I, I just it was my first ever course and it was amazing and it opened my eyes to the whole idea of uh, producing a course and people just buying it you know this this recurring income right then I don't know what happened I think I kind of pressed the self-destruct button or, or the self-sabotage button <laughs> and I started to kind of look at myself and think well I'm a bit of a fraud I suffered from you know many of us kind of probably if we admit it we suffer from imposter syndrome exactly and so last year, uh, to be brutally honest with you, and I want to share this because I, I know that other people struggle with this, it was a really difficult year. I went through depression. Uh, part of that was probably I, I suddenly realized at the end of the year that I was getting heart palpitations due to caffeine. I didn't realize caffeine was a problem, so I had to hmm. come off coffee, which was a real downer because I love it. <laughs> I've since discovered really nice decaf coffee. But last year was was really hard, and but it forced me into actually having to rebuild this startup within a startup mm-hmm. the ground up. And so that's really what I've been doing this year, uh, starting to think, well, who is my audience? Uh, who, is the, who, is the, 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 who are the people that I can actually help? And are they the, the, the kind of audience that are willing to pay for my services? And to really kind of think that through very deeply and to, to think uh, about producing content, such as the podcast, but blog posts, that they are going to to um, enjoy and find benefit from, right. and that's been hard. That is, it's been really hard after that initial high of the course is doing really well, going through that really difficult time, and actually having to work really, really hard. But I know this is the right path, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's just a case of working really hard. Is it? I mean, let me let me form that in the phrase of, in the form of a question. So, is it? Is it really trying to drill down to identify like who your avatar would be, who who's your primary customer, who's you know niche down, tell it hurts type type mentality, or is it more? I mean, are you talking more about the imposter syndrome? You're talking more about just really identifying who your key customers is, or are they those two separate issues? Well, uh, yeah. So, so I, the imposter syndrome was was probably last year, mm-hmm. and I actually, funnily enough, I was asked to be on a podcast to talk about imposter syndrome. <laughs> and I felt a bit of an imposter being on the podcast. It was hilarious. So we had a bit of a laugh about that. But the thing is, uh, I, I actually think that that is the fact that I understand that is a, is actually mm-hmm. going to be a, is a really good benefit uh, of me helping people. 
because I understand that. Right. So, so yeah, that, that was, that was last year. And, and I've gone through so many mindset changes. I've worked with been in some amazing masterminds and worked with mentors and that's been amazing. Mm -hmm. And so this year, the focus has been uh, really kind of focusing down, niching down on, on who my avatar is. I, I don't mm -hmm. particularly like the word avatar. I think of blue aliens. Sure. I, I, you know, I had the same struggle, but <laughs> I, I, I can't come up with a better term. So, yeah. Well, I kind of I, I kind of like the word, the phrase perfect customer or mm. perfect audience. And this is this is something I teach. Actually, when you when you do go live, uh, it seems really weird. You're, you're it's a very unnatural thing. Because when you're going live, you can't see your audience. Exactly. And so you're and you're looking at this inanimate object, this this black kind of what's well, called a camera, but mm -hmm. you can't see the whites of people people's eyes. And as human beings, it's really unnatural. So I, what I teach people, what uh, I really struggled with at the time was to think to actually focus on my perfect customer just in uh, be, behind the camera, just in front of the camera to me, right. and speak to them. And that's always how I didn't realize I was doing this. But when I was blogging, when I was writing these blogs right at the start, I was writing to them. I didn't have the the idea of avatar in, in, in my mind. Right. That's what I was doing. And so for live video and for my business, it's absolutely thinking, who are they? And amazingly, I was part of a community last year where I actually discovered my avatar in real life. And that is the most amazing thing. The perf your perfect customer, the, the, the customer that you love working with, who thinks you are amazing, who they, they just they just can't wait to speak to you next. And, and every word that you that you utter, they just hold upon, and they want to pay you. <laughs> so so that's great if you can find that person, and then just then it's the case of producing content for that person. Right. And and. It's not the thing that I struggled with with this was thinking, well, if I focus just on that one person, if I think about like it's a, uh, it's, a, it's a female who is aged between 55 and, and 58 who lives in this. It's, that seems very niche, very that that's whole. I can't find that many people. But the great thing about that is once you've found that one person, other people who aren't necessarily that avatar will still come in and be attracted to you because you're so focused on that person. Right. I, it's funny you mentioned that about uh, you know visualizing as you're speaking into a camera. I, I was doing a video, you know, a number of years ago, and I had that very issue, thinking you know I'm just talking to a laptop here, and I, I physically printed off little tiny pictures of people, and glued them around the camera, and I thought, okay, I'm talking to the little tiny people right beside the, the camera button the, the green light that's at the, you know on the top of the oh, macbook that's, but that's uh, great but it, it, it's it seems really low tech but it's such a good idea i i the other thing i i recommend because a lot of people when they go live not that they're narcissists but we all tend to look at ourselves because you see a big image of yourself <laughs> Right. So you end up being drawn to that because as human beings, we're, yep. we're drawn to that human connection, even if it's ourselves. And usually the camera on a smartphone or even the webcam is, is quite small. So I, I tend to kind of like recommend people put arrows. But actually, if you can put a, a picture of your perfect customer, of your avatar behind the camera and you can yep. focus in on them, yep. that's even better. Yeah, that I, I uh, about uh, 15 years ago, I was speaking at a at a, it was completely unrelated to anything I'm doing today, but but speaking at a at a pretty large conference, there was like probably six or seven thousand people there, and and I was on stage, and it was in a, a large stadium, actually the Superdome in New, in New Orleans, mm -hmm. 
Okay. So half of the Superdome was this, you know, major football stadium. So they're they're sitting in half of these seats, and at the fifty yard line, you know, they dropped this curtain, and that was behind the stage. And the problem was they had these like thirty foot monitors hanging down from the ceiling. So as you're talking, you're seeing your your head <laughs> looking at you <laughs> on these two monitors, you know, like literally right in front of you. And I thought. Now that will make you self-conscious <laughs> when, you're, yes. when you see yourself oh, 20, it is 20 meters tall, you know. <laughs> Think and, that's, and that's the other thing with live video, you know, actually how many of us actually go back and watch our live videos and you know, and if you do, a lot of people will cringe and think, oh my yeah. goodness, I don't look like that. I don't like sound like that. And I always recommend that people do that. You will probably hate it to begin with. But I always say to people, come out with three encouraging things <clears throat> excuse me what did you do well first mm. uh, and then you can then work on, on making it better because it's not about being perfect right it's about communicating with your audience with with being authentic but also right. communicating your message to them and i and if you if you stop trying to be perfect you will do what i did and put it off and put it yeah. off and put it off and never get around to it and actually Somebody last year put it very, very well and very controversially to me in a, in a mastermind group. She said to me when I was not sending out my emails to my newsletter, newsletter group enough, she said, you know what, you're being selfish. Hmm. And I was taken back, taken aback by that. But actually, she was right. If we're not producing content, if we're not doing a podcast or a live video, there are people out there that need to hear that message from us and we're not delivering. And so we're actually right. selfish. Well, I, and I, I think that is sage advice, and and it is it's a it's a a delicate balance, you know, between this because I mean you could you could get very prideful very easily too if you're you lean the other way. So it's a balance of of humble, you know, trying to humbly serve your audience, but also producing, you know, in a way that because they're your audience for a reason, they're your audience because they want to hear from you. So yeah. that's sage advice, but. Before we drill down kind of in the last segment of the interview, I, I want to circle back really quickly. And can you just take take one minute and talk about the imposter syndrome for any of our listeners that might be struggling with it? How what just a, just a real quick segue. How do you overcome that? Well, first of all, can I just say that most people suffer from this? Mm -hmm. In fact, I have this I have this uh, feeling that I think the more successful you become, the more acute imposter syndrome hmm. can become because it's almost That's why I've, I've never struggled with it. So <laughs> <laughs> don't say that, but it's, I think it's kind of like the more success that you get is kind of like this in this feeling that some people feel, which is I've got this far, but what, <laughs> when is it that people are going to find out? Well, I, I think the thing is, first of all, to, if you suffer from that, to at least know that it, it, it exists, right? And then it's a case of actually, of actually um, making a list of all the things you know to be true. So I actually have two Google documents. You don't have to use Google. You can use. You can write this down on a on a notepad wherever you want. But I have two notepads. I have first of all, I call it the nice words file or the encouraging words mm -hmm. file. And every time somebody says something to me that is encouraging, or about my character, or so this could be testimonials or anything. I right. write it down there because like most people, I tend to focus on the negatives. Whenever mm -hmm. anyone says anything negative, uh, I focus on that. And the best person, uh, the person that tends to kind of give the most negative uh, 
advice or negative thoughts is usually myself. Mm. So write it down, make a list, and then read that back. My goodness, that is such a help because you cannot deny the words that people, well, you can, but the more you do it, right. it, it, it you, you know, that, that, that will be really, really, really helpful to mm-hmm. you. The other thing is, uh, which is kind of like a truths and affirmations file. And I was a little bit, I wasn't so sure about this idea. I know quite a few of my friends were doing this and it seemed a little bit, I don't know, wishy-washy, pseudoscience, woo-woo for me. But I now do it. I Basically, what I do is I write down all the things that I know to be true. Mm-hmm. So things like my wife loves me. I, mm-hmm. My kids are amazing. Uh, all these, my, all the business successes that I've had. So I write it all down there and I look at that. Uh, I should look at it daily. I don't, but I'd look at it on a regular basis. And that really switches off the the negative voice of imposter syndrome and puts it it puts it in its place i think it's always going to be kind of there mm-hmm. in the background but it's this is a great way to quash that and to uh, not give into it i mean it's uh, there's a little there's an element of truth a little bit about you know you talk to performers they they say i don't ever want to lose kind of the butterfly effect in my stomach because that that gives me my edge you know, when I perform, yes. I, I don't ever want to take things for granted. And I just go kind of lackadaisical and just kind of wing it. And, and you know, and, and the quality will go down. So I always want to have a little bit of that edge and a little bit of that yes. uneasiness, you know, that, that just keeps me sharp. So, well, thank I, you I, for touching on that. I love the way you, you, you mentioned that because I, I you know, a lot of people talk about getting rid of the fear, but actually I think a little bit of fear is helps you mm. charge forwards, helps you have that adrenaline. Yeah. Back in, back in my singing day, I remember two concerts one where I was absolutely petrified and it was, I went on stage in front of a big orchestra and choir. It was the best performance I ever gave. Mm. My adrenaline was pumping through my mm-hmm. veins. The following week, I wasn't nervous at all. I was complacent. The worst concert wow. ever. <laughs> wow. Well, as long as the second one wasn't in front of the queen, we're good, right? No, no, it was a smaller concert. Okay. And I think that was partly the reason why, because I didn't have the big audience, but yeah, it, it's always good to have that nervous energy, that a little bit of fear, as long as you channel through that. Exactly. To, to your it's audience. Not debilitating, and actually, yeah. And it's not about you. That's the other thing. Mm-hmm. Actually, if you're speaking on stage, it's not about you. It's about your audience. Mm-hmm. Focus on them. Yeah. Good words. Those are great words, Ian. And as, as we, as like I said, as we head toward the last, the final stage of our interview, uh, this is sometimes this is my favorite part of the interview because I want to ask these kind of drill down and really get in your head type questions and. So tell me, who who online really inspires you? Who's one person that you follow very closely online that really inspires you? And I know there's probably dozens, but... There are, and I think that, that's the problem. There are so many, and I kind of almost feel bad that I'm going to miss people out. There have been so many amazing mentors and people that have helped me in my life. But I, but I need to only mention one. So I want to mention one person who is just such an encouraging person to me and to many, and it's a guy called Leslie Samuel, who is, I think he's... His business is called Become a Blogger. He's a, and uh, he, I met him at Social Media Marketing World. He was a biology professor, and he left his job to become to to launch his business as a consultant and somebody who helps people launch online business. And he's just such a humble guy. He's all the things that I want to be. He's encouraging. He's transparent. Um, he also talks about his struggles. He wants to help help others, but he's also really successful. Hmm. Uh, so he's a he'll, he's a real real inspiration. Where where does he live? 
So he's originally from St. Martin, but he now lives in the U.S. I can't tell you where. I think he's moving to Miami okay. uh, in the next couple of months. Okay. If you if you do a search for Leslie Samuel, become a blogger, you'll find him. Did was he? Did he used to have like a podcast, like Learning with Leslie or something like that? That's the one. Okay. Yeah, he still has. So he still has the podcast. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I, as you can tell, I mean, the the things that I'm kind of interjecting, I'm kind of a podcast junkie, so you know, you, <laughs> I do have to have my fix. So that's that's actually why I'm I'm doing this now is because I just I loved it so much that I I wanted to actually be proactively involved in this in this space. So tell me, uh, tell me a special life quote. You know, you talked about affirmations. You talked about you know the the good words and the recommendations you've received from people. But is there one? life quote that you have like taped up on your wall that you read that you look at that's on the you know on a post-it note beside your computer the answer is i should but i don't really uh, so i was kind of trying to think about this i've, I've again i've created another google doc with quotes because mm -hmm. i'm useless at remembering quotes and i see this quote and I think oh wow that's amazing and then i forget so <laughs> but there is one that i do like it's probably not I think once I start to get used to, uh, to adding loads more quotes, I will find a new favorite. Mm -hmm. But my, my favorite for a while has been if you're not living life on the edge, you're taking up too much room. And so I think for me, because I love being comfortable, I love living in uh, kind of in my comfy chair. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know if anyone's a Monty Python fan, but it reminds me of the the Spanish Inquisition sketch and the, <laughs> the, 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 torture, the torture of the comfy chair. I think we can actually all torture ourselves with feeling too comfortable and actually what we need to do is live life on the edge with our business actually get out there do something that scares us and pushes us forwards so that's something i try and do not always successfully but it's a good quote do you know the source of that quote is that yours or is that someone else's uh i don't know the name but if you google it you'll you'll find it it is there is one person that okay the quote. I should know, but I don't. To. okay yeah so if you so, could go back um, you can, I mean, you choose, you choose the era that you want to go back, whether it's before you started anything, before you started seriously social, before you started the, the focus on Facebook live, what is one piece of advice that you would love to give your, your, you know, pre-current self that you think would have been very, very helpful? So, yes, uh, I think it has to be, I, I mean, bootstrapping your business is is an is a great thing but mm -hmm. i took it to the next level and i bootstrapped it over a very very long time and so i think what i would say to myself is you need to invest in yourself and your mm -hmm. business early on so that actually taking the plunge going to social media marketing world took so much effort and time to actually convince myself to do but if that was investing in myself if i'd done that earlier if I had hired a business coach, if I had joined masterminds, if mm -hmm. I'd done things like that early on, I would have been got to where I am much quicker, not trying to do it all in my own strength, but actually relying upon others. So that's what I'd say to myself. I know you, when you said that, I mean, the, the image came in my mind. If, if, you ex, if you do extreme bootstrapping, is that like sandal strapping? Is that, I mean, <laughs> that, I mean how, yeah. how well, micro can you get here, you know? Well, yeah, it was also it was the pivoting side of things because I was going for music, I was teaching, singing, I was performing, and I kind of didn't want to give that up. Right. Uh, and and so I, I kind of one day at a time I started putting more towards my business and and yeah, but but I, I should have yeah I should have invested early on and made made the switch a lot quicker. 
Well, Ian, it has been a true pleasure to uh, speak to you today, and I, I would love to just kind of wrap this up and just give you space. Is there anything that I haven't asked you about to, that you would love to touch on? And please just kind of remind our audience where they can find you online. I think we've probably talked about it, everything. Just I just wanted to encourage your your listeners and viewers to just to don't try and, and do this up by yourself, to try and get help out there. Join, you know, right, if you could join work. a mastermind group, do that. That changed everything for me. So I definitely uh, recommend doing that. And uh, yeah, just in terms of how you can find me, do I'd love you to reach out to me if you follow me. I'm, I seem to have carelessly scattered myself all over the social uh, social <laughs> web. So you can find me, just search for my name, Ian Anderson Gray, that's G-R-A-Y. And my my screen name is IAG.me, that's IAG. D-O-T-M-E, just right. to confuse people. Because, of course, that's also my website, IAG.me, where you right. can find loads of articles and loads of stuff about me. And I hope, hopefully you'll find that helpful. Well, folks, this is uh, this is your chance now. As Ian has had mentioned a couple of things, and, and it's mentioned a lot that has been extremely helpful to us. And, and uh, I am very grateful for him taking the time out of his uh, lovely United Kingdom afternoon and spending some time with our listeners and and uh, but Ian, thank you again for for speaking into this, and and our audience will also have some feedback as we discussed, you know, before we went live, because that's really the basic premise of the whole show is that that our as our listeners speak into it, causes all boats to rise in a rising tide. Ian, thank you again. Thank you so much, Kevin. 